We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in partnership with 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. I'm Justin Graver, and with me, as always, my co-host, Justin Mello, here to talk to you today, finally, about some NFL draft stuff. We're really going to get into that stuff today and also talk about some stuff we heard from the NFL League meetings when Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel spoke to the media. Justin, how's it going? Doing well. Excited to finally dive into the draft. I feel like we've been teasing it quite a bit over these last few weeks. I think right here at the end of March, beginning of April, sort of represents the appropriate time. And I'm glad we're starting with quarterbacks because I thought there were some interesting quarterback nuggets to go around, um, you know, the Tennessee Titans organization on Monday. Yeah, I don't think we've ever really talked very in-depth about quarterbacks on this podcast because since the time we've been podcasting, the Titans have been pretty set either with Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill. But as we sit here today recording this episode on Monday, March 27th, we are exactly one month to the date from the start of the NFL draft, which of course is on a Thursday, but Thursday, April 27th. So we're one month out. Like you said, what better time to start than this? And before we get into the quarterback stuff, let's quickly hit some other things we heard at these uh, league meetings, the owners meetings where they're, you know, all the owners get together, all the head coaches and GMs, the league presents stuff to everyone and to the owners and they ratify certain things and blah, blah, blah. But what's interesting is when the head coaches and the general managers speak, because we get some good quotes and we're going to start with something that we touched on last episode. All this Kevin Byard stuff, Kevin Byard, Titans asked him to take a pay cut. He refused, demanded a release, or did he? According to Rand Carthon, he said it is blatantly false that Kevin Byard and his team ever demanded a release from the Titans. Didn't really say that it was blatantly false that the Titans asked him to take a pay cut or that he refused that pay cut. But the fact that the Titans would release Kevin Byard or that he demanded a release has been debunked by the general manager himself. Do you buy it? Because we know these figures will lie to the media at times or or mislead. What do you make of these comments here and Kevin Byard's status on the Titans? Yeah, I think I do buy that he did not ask for his release. I will say the most interesting part of the quote that I don't think enough people are, are focusing on was right at the end. He said something along the lines of, we hope Kevin Byard you know, continues his career as a Tennessee Titan. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but but I got a bit of a tone of that there is some unresolved business there that they're still mm-hmm. attending to. So, again, as you said, he did not deny the fact that they asked him to take a pay cut. So I think it's very likely that they did and that he said no, and the situation hasn't reached its conclusion yet. So that's right. the most interesting part to me is I, I think there's still another domino to fall here. I think it's most likely that Kevin Byard signs like a short-term extension or something that lowers his 2023 cap hit. That, that makes the most sense to me. I don't think this is a guy and look, things change fast in the NFL, but I don't think he's a guy that's particularly close to falling off a cliff. Yeah. He is an older player, but I could see a scenario surely where Kevin Byard's still a really, you know, good football player in 2024. So maybe if you do a short-term extension, 
that maybe allows you to, to, to increase again the cap, move most of the cap hit to 2024. And then maybe you have an out after that 2024. You'd like to, you know, I think keep an out within the next two years. You don't want to go into 2025 and beyond. I think with him eating significant portions of cap space and you can't move on because he's going to be fairly old at that time. Um, but my main takeaway is I think the way Rand ended his statement is that there's still something that has to happen here with Kevin Byer. Absolutely. And we will stay tuned for what that could be. I mean, we talked speculatively about what it could be last week, so we're not going to rehash that. Nothing else has really changed on that front. So I think we can just move on to the next story here. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that does it. I, I, and again, I think you and I will get a chance to revisit the Kevin Byer discussion because I don't think we've heard the end of it. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's talk about some other stuff that happened, not necessarily at the league meetings, but a couple of Titans Players from the 2022 roster will not be returning in 2023. Austin Hooper did end up signing a contract with the Raiders. We mentioned last week that he was meeting with them and he ended up signing with them. So Austin Hooper to the Raiders and Dylan Cole is headed to the Bears. So the Titans continue to have massive turnover at the linebacker position. There was some thought Dylan Cole might be back, but he will not be back. And uh, the Titans already kind of replaced him with a special teamer that can play a backup linebacker role in Luke Gifford. So I don't think there's any real loss here, um, except that some fans out there really liked Dylan Cole, even though he got stiff armed in the face by Trevor Lawrence and basically <laughs> lost the game to the checks. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. Cause I think is that the end of the game where Dylan Cole kind of teared up and said that uh, he expects so much of himself. The Chicago bears, the new Tennessee Titans are who's there? Darrington Evans, Carrie, Carrie Blossom game. Demarcus Walker signed there earlier this off. There, there's more. Nate Davis. Nate Davis signed there as well. I think Dane Crookshank was only on a one-year deal last year, so I don't know that he's still there. But lots of uh, ex-Titans. Uh, and it's weird because it's not like they have a coach or GM on staff that was with the Titans, to my knowledge, yeah. right? Matt Eberflus, of course, knew them well from his time with the Colts. So that could be the one connection, maybe. But that that's pretty funny. With Austin Hooper, good opportunity for him. As of right now, he's Vegas' starting tight end. Yeah, right? like they traded Darren Waller to the Giants. Foster Moreau, you know, prayers up to him. Of course, he announced he was shockingly dealing um, with cancer. Um, he, he was no longer under contract with the Raiders. So I guess Hooper would, would be the tight end one there right now, regardless of that. But I, I thought there was a good chance for Moreau to go back to Vegas and, and, and start. Very good football player. I wanted the Titans to sign Foster Moreau uh, right. in free agency. But prayers up to him, uh, you know, speedy recovery. Uh, I'm sure he's going to get the best care, you know, doctors could offer. Uh, but that Austin Hooper, good opportunity for him. Tight end one right now in Vegas. You and I always said never expected him back in Tennessee. We didn't hear a single whisper that he was going to be back. And I don't think either party was probably very interested in that. Uh, but another two guys gone and, and holes to fill up. Uh, not, not so much at linebacker. I think they've, they've taken care of that, but certainly uh, at least two holes to fill, I would say, at the tight end position. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we said the same thing about Austin Hooper when he signed in Tennessee, you know, huge opportunity, tight end one, <laughs> no real other pass catching weapons. The Raiders do have some pass catching weapons. They got Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, and now Austin Hooper. So maybe that's where he's better suited in the passing game pecking order, and maybe he can be more productive there than he was in Tennessee. But uh, best of luck to him. Don't really care about him anymore as a Titans fan. So there you go, Titans fans. Um, and I noticed you didn't say that Jeffrey Simmons was a Chicago bear, even though the Titans are apparently trading him for the ninth overall pick. Is that happening? Not happening. What's up with that? <laughs> well, I hope we hear something about Jeffrey Simmons soon, right? It feels like, um, it's almost, it almost feels like the cold war a little, doesn't it? Like I, both sides seem pretty quiet and 
Titans have kind of put their cards on the table. I think Simmons and his representation have put their cards on the table. And the situation feels like it's at a halt. We're in a hold, holding mode. Wait and see, right? Um, but I, I imagine we'll get some Jeffrey Simmons news over the next few weeks. And again, similar to the Kevin Byard uh, conversation, I think you and I will be able to rehash that when the time comes. Yeah, totally agree. All right, so let's move on to something else. We heard from the owners' meetings on Monday. Mike Vrabel was asked directly, in an ideal world, do you see Ryan Tannehill as your starting quarterback in 2023? And let me preface this by saying that Vrabel's instant reaction to this was, of course, of course. He said, of course, twice in a row. But then he went on to say, I'm not going to commit to anyone being on this roster in September. And this felt almost like a direct reaction to what happened last year when he was asked about A.J. Brown. And he said, as long as I'm the head coach, I don't plan on trading A.J. Brown. A month later, A.J. Brown was traded. This time around, he says, of course, I expect Tannehill to be the starting quarterback, but I'm not going to commit to anyone being on the roster in September, a.k.a. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what kind of trade offers we're going to receive. I don't know if my GM is going to go rogue again and just trade a player that I love which is apparently what happened with A.J. Brown. Now, I would expect that, and and Rand Carthon was also asked about Tannehill and talked about how he's, you know, he, Tannehill's in the building and, and he come, came back from a vacation recently, but he's been in the building rehabbing and getting healthy and they like Ryan and blah, 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 all the things you'd expect a GM to say this time of year about their current quarterback on the roster. None of it really means that Tannehill will be here come September. We don't know what's going to happen on draft night. We don't know what kind of trades may be offered to the Titans or where they see themselves building as uh, the years go by here with Tannehill, you know, not being a long-term answer at the quarterback position and also maybe not being a high enough level quarterback to get them where they really want to go. So what does this mean for the Titans? Well, the Titans have a, a reportedly been meeting with the top quarterbacks in this year's draft. And this leads us to the meat of today's episode where we're going to discuss these quarterbacks and maybe we'll discuss the top five guys, I think, which I think consensus would tell you is uh, Bryce Young out of Alabama, CJ Stroud out of Ohio State, Anthony Richardson out of Florida, Will Levis out of Kentucky. And then for the local fans, we'll throw in Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. How does that sound, Justin? <laughs> Yeah, no, that sounds good. I'll probably run through a couple dark horses in, in, in five minutes or less towards the end, but I think that makes a lot of sense. I, th I think those are probably going to be the first five drafted. So Right. So pro days were recently held for C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and then even and more Will recently Levis. for Will Levis. Anthony Richardson's pro day is coming up. Apparently the Titans are going to be bringing in Richardson for a top 30 visit, which you know you would only do that with a prospect you're genuinely interested in because, again – it's in the name. You only get 30 of those, and there's hundreds of draft prospects to cull through. So the Titans bringing in Richardson, they apparently met with Levis at his right before his pro day, and they also met with C.J. Stroud before his pro day. So why are the Titans looking at C.J. Stroud? He might be the number one overall pick, right? You, well, we don't know that, but you know it seems that the Panthers are leading that way, but we don't know that for sure. Why would the Titans be meeting with Will Levis? He sucks, according to Titans Twitter, right? Well, I think people may be underrating Will Levis a bit. He definitely has areas of concern, but he also has a lot of upside. And then Anthony Richardson, a much more raw prospect, but um, a guy with all the tools to be elite in this league if he's able to maximize and capitalize on his upside. And then there's, of course, Bryce Young, who was the presumptive number one overall pick a few months ago. The Panthers traded into the number one spot, and now it's kind of a, a question mark here. 
Bryce Young could go number one. He could go number two to Houston. He could go number three in a trade-up scenario. He could fall to four and go to the Colts. There's concerns about his size at only five foot ten, and uh, a lighter guy who could, you know, if he get, gets hit the wrong way, he could be out, right? So first of all, I mean, we could go to your big board on Broadway Sports Media, but why don't you run through, in your opinion, how you would stack these guys up and rank them um, against one another? Well, first, I, w- I want to quickly talk about um, the Ryan Tannehill stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. he's entering a, a contract year, right? Like how many quarterbacks enter contract years as the long-term starter, right? Like it happens here and there. Like Kirk look, Cousins. Kirk Cousins does it every year. It feels <laughs> like uh, uh, Daniel Jones with the Giants this past year is a good example, but that was a clear, you know, he's got a prove it situation. And he did, right, in their eyes. But that's sort of, I think, the territory Tannehill's in right now. Of course, he's much older, but there is a legit possibility that they're, they're moving on from him. Look, they've spent an extensive amount of time with all four top quarterbacks. They were, you didn't really mention Bryce Young. They were at Alabama's Pro Day, too, right? right? Like, no team spends an extensive amount of time with the top four quarterback prospects that's not con- even considering drafting a quarterback, right? right? Like, you know who's not bringing in Anthony Richardson for a top 30 visit? The Kansas City Chiefs, the Jacksonville Jaguars, teams that are 100% sure about what they have at quarterback, right? So this is very clear that they are at least kicking the tires and interest, as they should be, right? Their quarterback is old. He's older, at least I should say. He's in a contract year. He just got hurt. You know, it hasn't reached expectations over the last two years, I think is, is fair to say. Um, they should be thinking about drafting a quarterback if the right opportunity presents itself. And they are. That's why they're meeting with all of them. In terms of you asking me where I stack them up, I've got Bryce Young as, as my QB1. Um, I've got Stroud at QB2. It's very close between the two of them for me. And then as of now, I'm probably flip-flopping according to my last big board. I, mm. I think I've got Anthony Richardson at QB3 and Will Levis at QB4, but it's as close as, as it is between them um, as it is for me between Young and Stroud. But there, there's a there's a bit of a gap there. I've got Young and Stroud at the top, and then I've got Richardson and Levis in that next bucket. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about all four of them with you. So in my opinion, the most likely scenario facing the Titans is that uh, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young goes number one, the other one goes number two, and the Cardinals are sitting there on the clock at number three, willing to deal the pick. And I think that, you know, the Titans are certainly in play as a team that could trade up and, and, you know, with Arizona to target a quarterback, in which case they'd probably be looking at Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. You just mentioned that you're flip-flopping between the two. What are you seeing lately that, or, or that is causing you to kind of question what you saw originally? Is it the athletic testing stuff, the insane numbers that Anthony Richardson put up at the combine, or does it have more to do with what you're finding out about Levis? Talk me through your process here. Well, firstly, I want to say I, I do agree that it's likely that that Young and Stroud are the first two quarterbacks off the board in sort of some uh, combination. But th- there was an interesting report on Twitter recently, and it, it, it did catch my attention a little that said if Bryce Young were to go number one, for example, to Carolina, would Houston have a hesitancy to take C.J. Stroud at number two because he's represented by the same agent as Deshaun Watson? And after that situation turned so ugly in Houston between the two parties and look, he's a super agent. He represents a lot 
of premier NFL talent, including Kevin Byard, by the way, uh, and, and, and Jesse Bates and so many others, like you can't avoid his clients. You just can't. There's too many good ones. If you want to have good football players, you're going to have to do business with them at some point. But I did find that a little interesting, right? This is the quarterback position. But to answer your question, I believe you asked in relation to Levis and Richardson. Well, yeah, what I'm seeing, it, the, the athletic testing certainly helped, right? Like Anthony Richardson had one of the best combines we've ever seen, right? Like, and I knew he was going to test well. We all did, but it, you'd still be silly not to take it into account. I mean, he's six foot four, 244 pounds. So that's just yeah. ridiculous, right? It's, it's Derrick Henry at the quarterback position. He runs almost an identical 40 to Derrick Henry, right? It's four, four, four. I mean, there's a one, a one, six, faster. It's faster, right? Like a one six zero ten yard split. He jumped a 40 and a half inch vertical and a 10 foot nine inch broad. Like this Which, is those are records for a quarterback. It might correct me if I'm wrong. No. Yeah. He set records for quarterback for the vert and the broad, Like he's an alien, right? Like, and again, you don't want to shift the goalposts too much on your evaluation for him. Cause when you watch the tape, it was pretty obvious that he was a really special athlete. I don't know that I thought he was the most special athlete of all time. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was obvious he was a special athlete. Um, and it was the, the, the technical aspects of playing quarterback that, that, that he struggled with at times. And when that, when we say that, especially in, in, as a Tennessee Titans guy, I think a lot of people are going to jump to, to Malik Willis. Of course, you know, coming out of Liberty, there were some similarities, but I don't think it's quite a fair comparison. It's certainly not apples for apples because Anthony Richards was playing in the SEC. Like he did some pretty incredible things, had some, and there were inconsistencies. There were bad things as well. But when he had these stretches of great play, which he did, um, I, I thought he was good against FSU, for example. I thought he was really good against Tennessee. That was a tape I really enjoyed. Uh when he was really good, he was doing it against really good teams, right? And really good opposition. Whereas Malik Willis at Liberty is a totally different ball game, right? Um, and, I, and I didn't think Florida's offense was quite as gimmicky, right, as, as what Malik Willis was operating at Liberty. But, but yeah, those things definitely have had an impact for me. And then with Will Levis, I, I think he's had a, a good process. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's been bad per se. I thought when he threw the ball at the combine, I thought it looked really good. I think people are underrating how good it was. I think some of the things that he showed on there with the velocity and the arm strength and his process, I think, I think teams probably rate that a little higher um, than the average fan did. Uh, if they tuned into the combine, look, Levis is such an enigma, man. I, I don't know that there's a more divisive prospect in this class. I'll say this a few months ago, I was for very fortunate. I had an opportunity to dive into his tape. I spent like two hours watching his tape with a pro NFL scout. Um, mm -hmm. And that was a really cool, fun experience. It was not a Titan scout. So uh, there's, there's nothing to, to say in relation to the Titans, but the, the gentleman that I, I had a chance to watch the tape with actually played pro football. And uh, I, I really respect his opinion. And, and look, he was so high on Levis, man. It was wild. He sold me on him so much. He goes, look, this 22 tape, look, I can't throw it out the window, but there are so many just breakdowns with the offensive line, the receiver, uh, you know, playmakers are so bad in all honesty. And the offensive coordinator, I had heard a rumor. I think I may have said that. I don't know if I said this on the show already, stop me or I'll, I'll repeat myself. It doesn't matter. Um, I had heard a rumor that his offensive coaches asked him not to run the football last year at Kentucky. This is a dual threat guy. That's really good at running the football. And by the way, the offensive line was really, really bad. Right. Yeah. And I had heard, and now this rumor, 
initially, in all honesty, if I had heard that almost any other place, I would throw it out the window, right? I'm like, there's no way they told him not to run the football. Look up his rushing stats really quick, if you'd like. This guy's an athlete, man. He can run the football. He's a good athlete. What did he run for in 2022? He ran for in 2022. I, I know it, but this is, this is the point here. In 2022, he ran, oh gosh. Well, the, so I don't know if, you know, if you're unaware, college football tracks rushing yards. They track sacks into rushing yards. So he had 72 rushing attempts for minus 107 yards. What did he run for in 2021? He had 107 attempts for 376 yards and nine rushing touchdowns in 2021. He can run the football. So when I hear that it's potential, his offensive coaches told him not to stand tough in the pocket, throw the ball. It might be true, right? Like when you look at those numbers, it blew me away. So when I hear all these things and I hear how the coaching staff and him were just not on the same page, look, the talent that the tape is, it's not very good. And I'm, you can't absolve him completely of it. You shouldn't, right? Don't, don't, don't be that nice to him right don't say none of it was his fault because when the tape is bad it wasn't great but you hear some of these things and you're like wow that's that's concerning right so i i do think and this scout man i'm telling you he loved him he loved it he goes i've spent time around him i played in the nfl i would run through a brick wall for this guy i wish this guy was my quarterback when i was in the league wow you can take those things with a grain of salt if you'd like it's notable it's notable. Definitely notable. And I think that there's a huge segment of Titans fans that are totally out on the Will Levis, even like that do not bring me Will Levis. They say like, whatever happens, we don't want Will Levis. And I think that those people are probably a victim of reading other things on Twitter and reading bad reviews that are getting a little too negative. I mean, don't oh. get me wrong. He definitely has his flaws. I think, you know, his, his pressure to sack conversion rate was very high. Granted, he was under pressure a lot more than, than any of these other top prospects. Um, but one of the big pros is he ran a pro style offense that the Rams run. I mean, granted there have to be a few adjustments because the hash marks are different widths and things like that, but as close to that offense as you can run in college, he ran it. And that, I mean, as far as we know, we don't know for sure yet. That's pretty much the offense the Titans are going to run. And there's been a lot of people mocking Will Levis to the Titans, whether it be at seven or in a trade up. And I think that they're making the same connections here that you and I are making right now. Yeah, and one thing I want to mention quickly, too, um, I, I, ta I talked about the combine, how good I thought a throwing session was. I, I forgot to mention 59 miles per hour velocity was measured in at the combine. So th there's no denying that, the, you know, the ball pops out of his hand. He's got outstanding arm strength. He's 6'3", 232, uh, 10, 10, uh, 10 foot, 4 inch broad. Like there, there were some, some really good things he's done throughout this process. I don't think the Titans are going to draft him. I don't. Um, <laughs> I can't say much more than that, and I won't. Um, but I, I don't think they're going to draft him. And, and, and you talked about trading up to seven. I mean, Vegas is there at seven. Uh, they're a wild card to me because they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. It's only a three-year contract, though. I, I think they could still draft their quarterback of the future there. Uh, they're, they're a bit of a wild card. The Lions at six, I don't think they're taking one. Seattle at five is another wild card. Similar situation, in my opinion, um, uh, uh, to Vegas. What I'll say about both of those teams, Seattle and, and Vegas, is that Josh McDaniels and Pete Carroll both spoke at the owners' meetings. They spoke in you know media scrums. They spoke to NFL Network reporters. One thing Pete Carroll said was, um, you know, 
there are four really good quarterback prospects in this draft, and we're sitting here with the fifth overall pick, and uh, you, we're not going to get many opportunities like this. So you got to take advantage of it. Now, he's not necessarily Silly. saying they're going to draft a quarterback, but he's not saying they're not going to draft a quarterback. And then McDaniels also talked about it a lot. He said, you know, we got Garoppolo, it doesn't, but we're still doing our due diligence on all these quarterbacks in the draft. And he also went on to say, like, with Garoppolo's, they, he was asked, with Garoppolo's injury history, do you need a veteran backup quarterback? And he went on to say, you don't need a veteran backup quarterback. I've done it both ways. Garoppolo was a rookie when he was our backup. Uh, Jarrett Stidham was a rookie when he was our backup. And then he went on to say, I prefer... You know, I would love to have a rookie that we can draft and bring in and develop so that you're not changing out your backup with a veteran every other year. Makes it sound an awful lot like Vegas is targeting a quarterback. Maybe not in the first round. That's the caveat here is maybe not in the first round for Vegas. Pete Carroll sounds like they want a quarterback at five. We'll see what they actually end up doing. They, You know, they're famous for reaching down draft boards, but you know what all the pundits say where players should go and Seattle's always taking somebody in the hundreds on people's draft boards and stuff. So we'll see what they do. Maybe they draft Hendon hooker at five overall. Um, just <laughs> kidding sort of, but yes, to very much to your point, those two teams are quarterback needy right now. The lions of course, as well. So if the Titans wanted to get a quarterback at 11, they're probably going to be stuck with Hendon hooker as the top option. Is there a chance Levis or Richardson Despite all the hype they're getting, you know, there was a lot of hype of Malik Willis potentially going number two overall last year, and he fell to the third round. Do you think there's a chance that either of these quarterbacks is there at 11 without a trade-up? I think Levis is the likeliest one to potentially still be there at 11. I just, I can't see Richardson making it that far with the athletic testing that he put forth. You, you mentioned the Arizona Cardinals earlier. I quickly want to touch on them. They're the team, right? If you're going to trade up, and it's a long way to go from 11 to three. It doesn't sound like it, but it is, right? Like if, if, if you're going to make a move all the way up to three, you're parting with multiple first-round picks, probably a, a second, a future third. It'd be tough, right? But if you're going to do it, of course, we all know Monty Austinfort, GM of the Cardinals, was with the Titans for the last few years. Obviously, no relationship really to Rand Carthon, right? Because they weren't there together. But certainly a relationship with Vrabel and, and Miss Amy Adams-Strunk and, and everyone else. That, uh, Ryan Cowden, I believe, is still in the building as well. So good relationships there. Arizona, this isn't a Cardinals show, so I won't spend a lot of time on this. But I do think people are going – it's a little too straightforward for people that Arizona trades down. A lot of people are just assuming the Cardinals will trade down and, and stack up a bunch of picks. And I get the argument for it. They got Kyler Murray at quarterback. They'd get a ton of picks in exchange for number three. I don't think enough people are making the counter argument, though. Will Anderson's the best player in the draft. And right now, they need pass rushers in Arizona, and they will get to draft Will Anderson at three if they stay there. I don't think this is as easy as a decision as people are making it out to be. Yes, it's always nice to have extra picks. You know what else it's really nice to have? Guys that get 20 sacks a year. Right. And Will Anderson is that kind of prospect, 15, 20 sack a year type of prospect. So I don't think it's so straightforward that Arizona is going to be willing to trade down from there. Um, they'd have a lot to weigh their options. But if you're going to make a move, it would almost have to be to number three. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, the Colts are looking at a quarterback. We just talked about five, six, and seven. And then at that point, everyone would be gone that you're targeting, assuming all those teams took a quarterback. You, I mean, they can't all take a quarterback. That's six teams there that would be quarterback needy. Um, we haven't really talked a lot about CJ Stroud or Bryce Young because the you know common thought is that they won't be there. But let's say they are there. Let's say there's a chance that one of those two guys isn't. What if one of these teams is completely enamored with Anthony Richardson and takes him really high? What if these teams are scared of Bryce Young's stature and they don't want to spend that high of a pick on him? Let's talk through these guys really quick. Start with CJ Stroud because the Titans 
months ago were reportedly like that people were saying whatever that one report was saying cj stroud is the preferred quarterback option of these guys that for the titans the titans like cj stroud more than any of the other quarterbacks what is it about cj stroud you think the titans would like so much what I think they'd like so much about him, and I, I, I don't know if I've said, I've said this before, maybe on national radio. I don't know if I said it on this show, but uh, I remember when Rand Carthon talked about traits and quarterbacks that he likes. CJ, accuracy, ball placement, football IQ, throwing the football with anticipation. Those are his four calling cards, and, and those are four of the most important traits. I don't think he's... Uh, I, I like to see him use his legs a little bit more. I don't think he's athletically terrifying. I don't think he's some like super off script, you know, dual threat type elite quarterback, but I think the anticipation is so big with him. The accuracy down the field. He's so good in those aspects of the game. Uh, top 10 pick top five pick. I, I think he's the favorite to go number one right now. I thought I was doing a mock draft tomorrow. I would have him number one to the Panthers. I just think the stature for Bryce young will, will scare Caroline off a little bit. And then you, again, you factor in the anticipation and the ball placement of Stroud. I think he'll probably sell himself to Carolina a little bit better. Yeah. I think that that's probably likely. So why don't we talk about the, the chances of Bryce young being there and why the Titans might be enamored with this Heisman winning potential prospect. Well, he is my QB one and I'm not backing off that for now, but I'm not going to lie. If I was a general manager and I had to make this decision, yeah, his size would scare the shit out of me. In all honesty, it would, but I'm not. So maybe it's a little easier for me to call him my QB one. But when right. I watch a tape, I do the analysis. I, I do think he's the best quarterback in this draft. The football IQ is off the charts. He reads defenses so quickly. He makes quick decisions. Uh, when you watch that Tennessee game that they lost this past year, right? Such a famous victory for Tennessee. I was so impressed with him. He came into that game questionable with an injury. He was unbelievable. The poise that he showed in that game, the ball placement, the accuracy, the it factor. At one point, he made that unbelievable play off script. I, I was it tied the game or gave them the go ahead lead, whatever it was at the time. It's one of the best plays I watched in college football this year. You watch that game, you'll know exactly what play I'm talking about. He is great off script, right? And you want those, you want that ability in today's uh, NFL. I, I love him. I do. The size does scare me, right? I made this mistake with Tua, and all honestly, a little bit coming out, right? Like I had him as my QB one. And I debunked, and maybe I should have learned my lesson. Another Alabama guy, another smaller guy, right? <laughs> He's come around a little bit, had a good year in Miami, but they've surrounded him with a bunch of Lamborghinis, right? And, and Tyreek Hill. And, and there's still injury concerns with him, right? And that's the thing with Bryce. It's the injury concerns. Yeah. but Big, big time, yeah. QB1 for that. me. QB1 for me. It's really close with CJ. I've got them like 1A, 1B. I'm, I'm just a bit more impressed when I turn the tape on and watch Bryce. Is there any element about CJ Stroud that scares you when you could factor in that he played with some unbelievable receivers in his time at Ohio State? I mean, four guys that could end up being NFL stars over his, the course of his career there. What do you think of that? Two of them probably already are, right? In Olave and Wilson and Marvin Harrison's a freaking shoe in, right? There's no doubt yeah. about that. It's really just Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I don't worry so much about that as much as I worry about, um, you know, some of the warts that I identified on tape. And there's not a lot of them, in my opinion. But I thought his lower body had room for improvement. I, I, I thought there was some wasted steps, some wasted movement um, with his footwork. Uh, and, and again, I talked about the athletic stuff. I, I thought there was opportunities maybe for him to use his legs more. Because I don't think he's a statue in the pocket. I don't think he's unathletic by any stretch. But I do think that he could have probably done a bit of a better job using his legs more on occasion. 
Yeah. And I think that that's something you can coach up. I think it's easier to coach it that way than it is to coach it, you know, the stay in the pocket and keep your eyes downfield way. I do think, you know, if, when you look at the full body of CJ Stroud's work, the warts, as you call them, show up a little more. But if you just watch the Georgia game, he was phenomenal in that game. His ability to extend plays was there. His ability to evade pressure and keep his eyes downfield was evident. And if that, I mean, that was the last game he played as a college player. And maybe it was like bringing it for the big stage and the biggest moment and having more time to prepare for the game. Or maybe it was just, you know, a continued evolution of development of this young player as he grows into the quarterback he's going to be. Do you weigh that Georgia game more heavily because it was the last game? Do you look at it as a more of a one-off because it wasn't exactly consistent with the rest of the tape he put together through the year? Or how do you consider that in your evaluation? I weigh that Georgia game a ton because it was the national championship. And I thought Georgia was, you know, double digit favorites in my opinion. And he gave them a chance to win that football game. They should have won the football game. They, they had a field goal M- attempt make at the end a 50 yard field goal and you win the game. And that was 100% CJ Stroud putting them in, in that position to win that game. They were not as good as Georgia, not even close. Nobody was as good as Georgia this year, not even close. So he was incredible in that game. And you guess, oh, I'd, be, I'd be stupid, silly not to weigh that game. It's the biggest game of the year. And he put the team on his freaking back. It's unbelievable. I remember watching that game. So at that point, he was more, div- more of a divisive prospect than he is now. There yeah. were a lot of people that weren't very high on him. I rem- and I liked him all year long. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I did. I remember scouting him in uh, you know August, September, October, saying, I don't agree with any of what I'm reading, in all honesty. I didn't. I remember watching that game thinking, okay, it's over. No one's going to talk about C.J. Stroud like that anymore. This is unfreaking believable They should have won the game. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm, I agree with you. I think, you know, he's really impressive in that game. And that's if you're going to go watch a game or if you're only going to watch two games, maybe go watch like Michigan where he struggled a little more so you can see some of the downside and then go watch Georgia so you can see just what an unbelievable prospect C.J. Stroud can be at his peak. When you talk about ceiling with these quarterbacks, let's take all four into consideration here. I've seen varying opinions that Richardson because of his athleticism has the highest ceiling will Levis because of his arm talent has the highest ceiling and CJ Stroud because of his mental side and ability to anticipate with the ball has the highest ceiling. I haven't seen a lot of people say Bryce young has the highest ceiling. I think people think Bryce young is maybe the safer pick despite the injury concerns, just as a football player, the safer pick, what do you, how would you rank the ceilings of these four prospects? And then we'll talk about Hendon hooker a little bit. Yeah, I do understand why people are ranking Richardson one, right? Like you think of prime Mike Vick, or you think of prime uh, Lamar Jackson, even the MVP year, right? Or, or, or anything like that. Like if he reaches that ceiling, oh my God, right? Like it, it probably is the highest ceiling. Controversial, maybe, maybe not. I, I do agree that I probably put Will Levis second, because guess what? If Will Levis pans out, if everything goes Will Levis's way, he's probably Josh Allen. Right, like the the arm strength, the velocity, the size, the athletic ability off off strip. Like if he pans out, he's probably Josh Allen, and wow. and CJ would be three for me. But it, it, I'll put CJ three, and I, I paused there because I was thinking of how I want to phrase this. But he's probably the likeliest to reach his ceiling. And you know what I think the ceiling probably is for him, and, and I've seen it discussed a little bit, is Joe Burrow. Right, mm-hmm. look at the way Joe Burrow throws the football with anticipation and timing. With is Joe Burrow the best athlete? No. Does Joe Burrow have the most impressive arm strength, velocity, zip in the NFL? No. I talked about that with CJ Stroud, right? Not being the best athlete, but if his mind is as good as Joe Burrow's is, hasn't stopped Joe Burrow from being one of the top three, top four quarterbacks in the NFL. Hell, maybe even top two for some people, right? So 
CJ three, but could end up very well being number one, right? Because we know if Anthony Richardson and Will Levis don't reach their ceiling, they're probably not going to be very good, right? Right. Where C.J. Stroud, I think, is likelier to hit his ceiling because it's not so much contingent on being an athletic freak, being an athletic outlier like some of the other guys are. Bryce Young, four. It's only, it's, yeah, it's, again, probably the safest pick. He's my QB one, as I've said. It's a little tougher uh, to be blown away by the ceiling when you're, what was he, 5'10", 204 pounds, and we know that 204 is probably really 195, 196 Right. So, yeah, it's, it's odd for, to hear me put him at four um, with the, from the ceiling perspective, even though he is my QB one. Uh, I, I just, you know, I, I think Richardson and Levis, who I did rank one, two, are just, you know, really rolls of the dice uh, more than the other guys. Right. All right. Let's discuss quickly here as we close things out. Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback. Why is he not in the same conversation as these four guys? Could he go in the first round, maybe late in the first round, or might he be a tar- target for the Titans with the 41st overall pick? I'd be surprised if he went in the first round. I would. Um, but I do think he's going in the second round. I-, I think a lot of people were getting ahead of themselves saying, oh, what a great you know stash room, pick him in the third, fourth, fifth round, and you've got a mid-round developmental quarterback. I don't think he's going to make it there. I think the four guys are going in the first round. And then I think you think the whole second round is going to go without a QB being taken. doesn't happen that way. I think he's the likeliest. Uh, I don't even know who's really in contention to, to, to rival him for that title. Maybe uh, Tanner McKee out of Stanford, but I don't think so. I, I think it'll be Hendon Hooker. Um, and I'll, I'll say this. Some of the warts people are calling out on Hendon Hooker, I don't think are as, as big of concerns for teams as, as people are making out to be. Two of those warts are age. Yes, mm-hmm. he's an older quarterback. He just turned 25 years old. That would be a major red flag if he played almost any other position. Guess what? Right. How old's Ryan Tannehill right now? I don't know, 30, 33? 33, 34. Quarterbacks play, I, I don't think Hendon Hooker's going to be playing into his 40s, but quarterbacks play till 36, 37, 38 all the time, 34. right? It's not as big of a deal. If Hendon Hooker was a 25 20- in July, right? That's, yeah, that's, a, that's what I thought <laughs> roughly. So, but you see what I mean? Like if Hendon Hooker gives you 10, 11 great years, you're not worried about it. If he was a 25 year old running back, a 25 year old tight end, a 25 year old cornerback, more concerning to me, 25 year old quarterback. Yeah, yeah, sure. You wish he was 2021, of course but I don't think it's as big of a concern as people are making it out to be because quarterbacks can age well and age gracefully at times. The second wart or supposed wart that people are pointing out is the torn ACL. I, I don't think it's as big of a deal for teams again, as people are making it out to be. Yeah. He might have to red shirt first few months. I don't think he was going to come in and start right away for anybody. Anyway, it's an ACL. He'll be fine. Most guys, especially at quarterback, they've did Joe Burrow's torn ACL hurt him. Do you remember when Tom Brady tore his ACL in week one? Yeah. We never heard from Tom Brady again, right? What a, what, what, a, what a downfall that was for Tom Brady after he tore his ACL, right? Like quarterbacks can come back from it. Yeah. Not the end of the world. The one wart I do agree with on Hendon Hooker, it's the acclamation to the pro game. Right, mm-hmm. that Tennessee offense has ex- essentially no pro concepts. The manufactured spacing that they took advantage of—that's not a thing in the NFL. It's not a thing at all. There is almost no progression-style passing. A lot of those throws were predetermined for him, and he was so good. Right, he led the nation in like completion percentage, yards per attempt. Like he was amazing, unbelievable. 
that's the one word I agree with. It's the acclimation to the pro game, the age and the ACL, uh, you know, they matter a little. I don't think they matter as much as people think they do with the position that he plays. Um, I'll say this. And I've said, if you, if you listen to me, sometimes I've been doing appearances lately on, uh, you know, the Blaine Bishop, Mickey Ryan show, Blaine and Mickey. I said this on there. Won't come across a better human being, man. Unbelievable, unbelievable leader, exceptional human being. I've been blessed to have a couple conversations with him over these last few months. I'm like blown away. No one's blown me away like Hendon Hooker has. I've already spoken to, I think, like 105 prospects this year. No one's impressed me like Hendon Hooker has. Just the best human being, great family. You want him in your locker room. You want him leading your football team. Really good dude. Um, I do think he goes in the second round. By the way, the Titans, uh, they had him, right, on a top 30 visit. I don't know if I don't know if that counts as a local, although I don't I, I can't remember. I don't think it does. I think there's something weird with the university. I think, t- I think Vanderbilt players count as local, but yes. Tennessee doesn't because it's not I, within whatever mile radius. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. So they had him on a top 30. That was reported by my colleague at the Draft Network, Ryan Fowler, friend of the pod, Ryan Fowler, we had on here a few months ago to to uh, to preview the Washington Commanders game early in the year. But Ryan Fowler reported that Tennessee Titans had him on a top 30 visit. So again. They've done their homework on all the quarterbacks, Hendon Hooker included. They don't get one of those top four, then it it does sound like they're considering Hooker at some point. Right. Yeah. So it looks like they're doing their due diligence on the quarterbacks, though. That's our point. That's why we spent, you know, the last 35 or whatever minutes talking about it is because it does feel like the Titans are leaning. I mean, not leaning, but doing their work on these quarterbacks. And as you said earlier, you don't do that if you don't have a serious, realistic chance of actually taking one. They're definitely considering it, whether or not they do, to be determined. Um, Real last bit of news here. I think that does it for our quarterback discussion. But let's talk about a little bit more news just related to team building for this Titans roster. But we're going to do it as part of our Beef of the Week presented by the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden. So let's get to it. The beef of the week this week, Justin, what do you have? I'm going with Rand Carthon. As much as I like the new Tennessee Titans general manager, we got to get some wide receivers in here, my guy. Like I, <laughs> I can't believe they haven't signed a single receiver in free agency. Like We knew the top value, you know, the market. You questioned it would be a bad deal potentially going with a Jacoby Myers, going with a Juju Smith-Schuster. Although I will say both of those guys signed for less than I thought they would when we were projecting that they were going to be bad deals. I can't believe they haven't signed anybody like, and I hate doing this because I hate being that guy that Titans fan that gets on Twitter and screams about what are you doing or calls the local radio station. What are you doing? But I can kind of understand this one in all honesty, right? Like Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Nick Westbrook, Akine. That's what they have at wide receiver right now. None of them are proven. None of them, not even yeah. Traylon Burks. I'm sorry. He's not Nick Westbrook is a receiver four at best, right? Receiver five. That's what they got at receiver right now. I can't believe they haven't signed anybody at receiver. Not even like I want, you know, a a Paris Campbell, I thought would have brought some interesting things to the table. The two that we're going to talk about that, I think really uh, for me, DJ Chark, one year, $5 million to the Carolina Panthers. Insane. When when he's got a skill set they need, Mike Rabel talked about needing to add speed to the offense. DJ Chark's got speed for one year, 5 million. Carolina added a bunch of void years. He's, He's barely costing them anything towards the cap. And he's going to be one of their best receivers next year, right? They traded DJ Moore. They went out. That's what you do. They went out to get him and Adam Thielen. And they're going to draft one in the second round, I bet. Miko Hardman to the New York Jets. Another guy. Good good guy for a quarterback in terms of he can create for you after the catch at least, right? You could Mm -hmm. manufacture touches for him. I know he hasn't lived up to his potential. You know, playing in KC with Mahomes, you expected more. Still a decent football player. When those two guys were signed, 
that market dried up, man. There, there's almost nothing in free agency that could actually help them right now. There's not a single needle mover left for right. the Titans in free agency. I, I, I'm not quite sure what they're doing at the position. That's my beef of the week. I'm fully with you on this beef of the week because not only is everything you just said true, but I think we're underrating the value that a veteran receiver could right. bring to the room just as a presence, as a as a person to show Traylon Burks how to make it in the NFL. Does this mean another move is coming? Are they going to trade for DeAndre Hopkins? I kind of hope not, honestly, although at this point, he might be the only real viable veteran wide receiver option that you could acquire. Um, Sean Payton said at the league meetings today that the they have no intention of trading Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton, that those rumors get started every offseason because he, and he called it, uh, he said the wide receiver depth in this draft is not there, so those rumors are going to start, but... Um, he, they, he said they have no intention of trading Judy or Sutton. So take, I mean, of course, head coaches can say this and then turn around and do the opposite. It happens all the time. But I would say take those hopes away because you're not probably not going to be able to trade for either of those guys, which leaves DeAndre Hopkins. I think uh, the best way to proceed here as a podcast is that on our next episode, we really dig into the wide receiver options in the draft. And you just maybe have to say you don't get a veteran. Nick Westbrook is your veteran. And he's going to lead the room, I guess, in terms of like being the vocal leader of, of that group. I think it's the way this thing is trending, right? But I agreed with you. I thought they needed to bring in a veteran guy. Like you're going to go into next year. There's a very, very good chance at this point. You're going into next year with your top three receivers being another rookie and mm-hmm. two sophomores in Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips. And Kyle Phillips barely played at all his rookie year. And Traylon Burks missed a lot of time too with multiple injuries, turf toe, concussion, all kinds of things, hamstring issues throughout camp. Like, I, I'm surprised they didn't want a, a veteran guy. I thought Alan Lazard may have been a quality signing. Mm-hmm. He, he can block. We know they love blocking. We can't ignore it as much as fans hate it. They love blocking. <laughs> Alan Lazard's a great blocker. He's played in this offense, right? The Matt LaFleur Green Bay Packers offense. He can take the top off. He went to the New York Jets that are running almost the same offense as the Titans. They knew what they yeah. were doing going to get him and of course they're going to get Aaron Rodgers so there, there's a connection there with Rodgers and Lazard but I mean, look maybe the Titans wanted a guy didn't get him I, I don't know but I, I am really stunned that they have not added a veteran to this group beyond stunned um, uh, you, you're going to go into this thing with, with so many question marks next year tired of running Derrick Henry into eight nine man boxes aren't you well looks like they aren't right I, I, I don't know what to say uh, but I do think that's a good segue. I do think next week, we talked about quarterbacks. We're in full-blown draft mode right now here on the Music City Audible. I do think we got to talk receivers next week. Maybe receivers, and we'll, who knows how much time. Maybe we'll get into some offensive line prospects as well, though, you know, we could do that the I following that. week. But um, I doubt that. Yeah, I, I think we'll probably fill up a whole episode talking about receivers. And then the draft's right around the corner, so we'll have to start getting into our mocks, our dueling mock drafts, and our what's most likely for the Titans. And we'll get into all that over the next month. But uh, I think that does it for this episode, unless you have anything else you want to add. That does it. Another quality episode. Running through all the quarterbacks here. Um, you should be focused on this right now. Titans are focused on it. They spent a lot of time over the last two weeks with these quarterbacks, a lot. And they're bringing, they brought in two of the five that we talked about for top 30 visits. And for all we know, they could be bringing in a Young or a Stroud or a Levis, and we just haven't heard it yet. But we know they met with Levis before his pro day, right? Like they interviewed him before the pro day. They had a sit down meeting with him. So, yeah. Where there's smoke, there's fire, folks. Lots of quarterback talk in Tennessee right now. And I'm just going to throw out one final scenario for the Titans to acquire a quarterback that doesn't involve anything we just talked about as a purely hypothetical 
potential reality that could unfold. Let's say the Titans pass on quarterback this year. They decide they don't, they don't want to give up the capital it takes to get to three and none of the guys fall to them at 11. So they pass on quarterback this year and then next year happens and Ryan Tannehill is still the starter. And so the Titans are not in full tank mode. They're competitive. They're not overly competitive. They ba- maybe they barely miss a playoff spot. Maybe they win a week AFC South, something like that. What team right now, Justin, if you had to guess, looking at the NFL landscape, who would you say is most likely to finish with the number one overall pick as things stand right now? My answer is the Arizona Cardinals. Would you disagree? No, I, I like that in all honesty. I, I think they don't have a very good roster. I think Kyler Murray's going to miss a lot of time this year. They've got a first-year head coach in Jonathan Gannon that may or may not be in over his head. And honestly, I really like that pick. Like, I, I think the Texans are going to be much better this year. The Bears, you know, going to be much better. The Panthers, all these teams picking near the top. Uh, the Rams should be better. The Broncos, the Raiders, the Falcons are always competitive. I really like that. I, I You know, Tampa Bay should be pretty competitive. Washington should be competitive. Like, no, I really like that, to be honest. I, I do agree with you. I think it's the Cardinals. So let's say the Cardinals end up with the number one pick and they want to stick with Kyler Murray in a draft that holds Caleb Williams and Drake May with Monty Osenfort. You mentioned the connections earlier. I'd already thought this out, but you you brought it up already, so I don't need to run through it again. They probably don't want to trade to anyone in their division. They probably don't even want to trade to anyone in the NFC if Caleb Williams is as good as we think he is. So why not call up your buddies over in Nashville? The only thing I'm going to say to that is I think if Arizona finished with the number one pick, I think the Arizona Cardinals are about to Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray, man. They're getting his ass out of there. Like Caleb Williams, <laughs> is unbe- Caleb Williams just can't miss, in my opinion, man. The, the way he looks right now, a lot can change between now and then. We do this every year. We hype up the quarterback prospects that are like a year away. Ah, this quarterback class is okay. Next year's is better. And the next year comes and we start criticizing them because guess what? We got a whole new year of tape to criticize, right? So things can change. But from what I'm seeing from Caleb Williams, man, that dude is the truth. That's how I feel as well. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe the Cardinals are like, we didn't draft you, Kyler. We didn't give you the contract extension, Kyler. We're going to try to trade you, and we're going to take Caleb Williams ourselves. Who knows? Maybe they they want to stick with Kyler in the building. That's what my scenario would require. But, of course, anything is an option. But I just want to throw that out there as a potential way for the Titans to retain Tannehill, be competitive this year, and still get the number one pick next year. That's the pretty much the only scenario I can see playing out because most teams that have a franchise quarterback, you're not getting the number one overall pick, you know? I mean, unless you have a situation like the Bears, like one of these teams that's picking high this year ends up with the number one pick again next year because they started a rookie all year and they weren't that good or something. That's the only way I see, you know, a team. It'd have to be the Texans, the Colts, or the Panthers most likely, right? Right. Somebody with a franchise quarterback getting the number one overall pick. But if it's the Texans or the Colts, you think they're giving the pick to the Titans to let them acquire their franchise quarterback? Yeah, of course not. So that's why I think, you know, the Cardinals is the best path for up for success. But again, you got to hope that they love Kyler. Anyway, we're talking a lot about not, nothing right now with my random <laughs> theory, but uh, I guess that'll do it. Thanks to everyone for listening to the Music City Audible. Thanks to the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. And uh, we'll be back next week again to talk wide receiver prospects in this draft class, unless something crazy happens in the Titans trade for Lamar Jackson between now and then. Um, but that'll do it. Thanks again to everyone for listening. You can follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. You can follow me at Titans Film Room. Until next week, you all stay safe out there and tighten up.
a Broadway sports media production.